Welcome to the Cricket's Sidecar, where we go a little further into a story of note with the person who wrote it. Hello, this is Chris McGinn, the Features Editor at the Manchester Cricket. I am here with Erica Brown, the <laughs> Editor-in-Chief of the Manchester Cricket. Good hey, morning, Chris. Erica. You always introduce yourself like it's the first time you're saying it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is always feels like the first time. I want I want a confidence. All right. I'm Chris McGinnon. I'm the features editor of the Manchester Cricket. <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, there it is. And today there is actually a first, which is we are being joined for me a first. I wasn't here the first time. We've been joined before by Jen Coles, our at home now writer. Hello, Jen. Hi. Good to see you. Yes, so we're going to kick off today talking a little bit more about what we can do with our homes. And I think it was last week that you wrote a wonderful piece for us about how we can spend these long winter days inside, perhaps fixing things up or tackling projects that are manageable, not too crazy. Uh Uh-huh, especially for the do-it-yourselfer. Yes, Mm -hmm. which, you know, we all aspire to be. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I'm a do-it-do-it. I I tend to tackle too much. I should probably outsource more. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you gave us some great ideas. I enjoy your pieces, the regular comms, which is monthly in the cricket. And I enjoy them actually because you address things that are often... I guess I would say they're very forgiving of the reader, of people who actually do want to tap into an interior designer. You're an interior decorator, so you're a professional. Mm. You've done some incredible projects, and yet you are able to have a column where you talk in a very regular way without making it chewable and cherry-flavored, by the way. I mean, you really take on important topics, but Mm. you have a, a great sense of forgiveness to say, listen you know, stuff management was one of your things. Consider the bathroom, you know, the many tentacled monster. I love that one. (laughs) Uh, Consider the kitchen and the exterior colors. Those were like my favorite columns that you've written in the last year. But it's, but you have a way of sort of saying, listen, we understand that people, people today, they don't just come to an interior decorator and say, oh, do it, do it all for me, please. You know, order it up. (laughs) Yes, it's very much... um, there's a whole psychological piece to it. I've always said you can skin a cat in nine different ways. I, I have to figure out what cat you are. And oh, nice. Even though that's kind of not the best imagery. But, <laughs> but we're going to go with it. For cat lovers. Um, so, yeah, I think you really have to find that sweet spot of you want to enhance what your, in my case, what my client has in mind. Or if you're doing it yourself, you want to do the same thing. That's kind of the way I think about the do-it-yourself piece of it is just pretend you're me kind of if you put yourself in my shoes of what types of things would I want to have worked out in advance what kind of before I start demoing the wall what kind of decisions (laughs) would I really want to have worked out and checked into and put yourself in that spot as well as I'm going to clients and I'm saying here's your option of colors and here's your options of this bathroom could be this style this bathroom could be that style you can do all that yourself with your own vision board or a stack of magazines or even just a Pinterest page. All that can be done yourself. So I am really in awe of all the do-it-yourselfers and what they can accomplish. What I love about that approach, though, is I've never worked with a designer, so full uh-huh. disclosure. But I always worried that you would somehow lose 
your, you would sort of get swept off into some designery world and end up with something gorgeous that didn't quite feel like you. Right. And so what has been reassuring about your pieces is whether someone does work with a professional like you or do it themselves, you sort of celebrate and promote that piece that's uniquely the person who's doing that, the design. Th- that's the kismet. That's the piece. Mm. Right. And you can find that in yourself or you can find that for your client. But that is very much... I think in my pieces, I do maybe have a common theme of like, hey, if you love your Christmas ornaments the way you've done them all the time, like you don't have to change. That's if you have that's the missing piece. If you are have conviction of what you're doing and are passionate about the results and it makes you absolutely happy, then I feel like there's no rules. There's there's no don't even rethink it. Turn the page. Don't even read the article. Right. <laughs> Which is great. You're also very human and honest about like what you do even. Like the things that you know, like that are a little kitschy that you love and you still do are things that, you know, bother you. Or, you know, yeah. I love your sort of obsession with the humble towel rack. But right. you know, all these, it's nice to sort of see you coming through too, which I enjoy very oh, much. That's nice. I think that's actually a really good segue because the last column which, Chris, I think you were starting to talk about before I cut you off. <laughs> you didn't cut me off. <laughs> Was about sort of the winter season and about, mm. you know, sort of what are the things that we can do during this sort of interior time, this time of nesting, right? Of <laughs> being inside. Being very indoorsy. What are the projects mm. that are that present themselves? That was an interesting piece. Well, one, one theme that I had in my head that I didn't actually write down when I was thinking of that piece, I was thinking of my own DIY experiences, and there's kind of this tension between the male and the female in the house, if it's, if it's a household like that, or partners, um, but it takes two people, so it doesn't matter male or female or what, but mm-hmm. two people, where one is gung-ho in a certain way and the other one's gung-ho in another way, and it's typically the men, in my experience, that really are very interested in demo. So the, hmm. the wall wants to come down. We're going to do this wall. We're going to touch on that over there. And we're going to do this thing over there. And I'll demo them all right at once. <laughs> and I'm more kind of the other person saying, hmm, let's not move all those projects together on, like along on the same time frame. Let's actually complete one and then get to another. So that, I think, was kind of my inspiration for that last piece that I wrote. Yeah, and a great, to that point, you have to live in your space. Like, you mm-hmm. can't push it outside. You can't sort of sequester it. Like, you have to be in it. So yeah. keeping it manageable and maybe not doing everything, all, blowing it all up all at once, as exciting as that actually sounds right yeah. now. <laughs> but it's painful. There's no getting around that improvement. is Home improvement is painful um, in terms of <laughs> that. Uh, depending, I think the planning of it is fun, obviously. But some people find that painful. But getting the work done is yeah. almost always painful. It's yeah. disruptive. It's messy. There's unexpected things that come up. It's very exciting because that's a lot of the work I do culminates in that period of production. But like there, that that might be just a quarter of my job. The three quarters before that is all the planning and decision making. But that so that I get to the end, and I'm not living there because it's with a client, and I see all the disruption, and I'm kind of like, ooh, you know, it's going to be done soon, and it's so exciting. <laughs> but my clients are just. <laughs> crazy crazy and I get it you know I said to a client this morning I checked on a job and she really my favorite client but she is going bonkers with the disruption in her house and I said you know what's worth is if you come down and you have all this disruption and people don't show up like for her she had like eight people working and I'm like that's worse (laughs) you go through all that and then you lose your contract or you lose your painter for a couple of days so 
Yikes. That's my, that's my, that's my pep talk. <laughs> okay. It sound like much of a pep talk, but that's it. But what, then the end result is, well, that's of course, You just have to go for it. You, you know, do. at some point, you have to, you have to rip the bandaid off at some point. You're you going to be so delighted when you go into your new space, regardless yeah, of what it's it a little like childbirth, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then you do I it again. Prize. And I again. Exactly. <laughs> Good segue. Or like, or like childbirth. Just one more push. Yeah. That's the big lie. Wait, you're almost there. That's the big lie. You're almost there. Really? Just one more push. You said that 30 minutes ago. I'm like, ago. no, you said that two hours ago. Um, but anyway, back to back to this. What are some good candidates for some winter projects that, that you just think are nice for this season? So, I mean, anything I think where you can shut a door. So a child's bedroom is a good one if you can double them up because you can shut the door and mm. keep the dust in one room. I think open floor plan things are not good candidates assuming you want a, a successful experience, <laughs> one yep. that you feel good about at the end and not say I would never do it again. Um, so anything like a, uh, that's manageable, typically bathrooms and kitchens, open floor plan stuff, that's usually you need a contractor for that yeah. anyway, yeah. For, for the most part, yeah. unless you're super, super handy and skilled. Yeah. What about color? What about doing something where you just switch out some of the color, like a refresh, not a big redo, no walls coming down, so no easy demo? And fun. Yes, I, th- I always say that that's your biggest bang for the buck. Mm-hmm. Um, painting, yeah, yeah, especially if you're willing to do it yourself. And I see a lot, um, my company name is Cole's Color and Design, so I started out doing um, really just all color, and now I do more full renovations. But um, I, trends change, and so if you're you've been hanging out with a color for ten years, chances are you could switch it up and um, really feel like that's a big difference. Let me ask you something in terms of trends and color mm-hmm. that has to do with this, because this is great. I bet a lot of people are. I mean, I'm curious about this. I'm hoping other people are too. <laughs> um, okay, so the trend of wallpaper especially the trend of, of custom wallpaper where you can actually design your own because mm. now digital graphics are so yes. sort of Wait. able to be done. What? And, and oh, yeah. And you can design so, your own wallpaper. I'm you so can behind. absolutely design your own wallpaper. Um, yeah. By the way, haven't you seen, what is it, Life at the Chateau? What is that? No, well, I've only heard about it from you. For It's like, a PBS show. It's actually a BBC show okay. that is on PBS, yeah. and it's about a couple he is an old kind of army colonel uh, who's in his 60s, and she's his wife in her 40s with electric red hair and incredibly creative. So she's really creative, and he can do the stuff. And they bought a chateau in France that had no running water and no electricity, and it was massive. And over seven years, they have turned it into a spectacular wow. kind of thing. And every week, it's a different project. Well. She's big on, I mean, it's a long way to make a point. She's really big on, like, graphics and wallpaper and designing and then finding wallpaper underneath as they demo things Mm. and then recreating it and then bringing it back. But then she also makes it in patterns for, they can make fabrics from it and all sorts of things. So digital graphics, so bringing graphic design, basically, right? immediately to something that can be produced and put on your wall. So the wallpaper industry has changed tremendously. Um, It used to be a lot of silk screening and more traditional printing methods. Now, it's so much of it is digital, and I was very skeptical in the beginning, but it's really amazing. And so you can, a lot of the places, um, there's one that I use that 
uh, works with a bunch of different artists. And so if you like a pattern, mm. but you want to pick up a color, you can contact that artist and they can tweak it for you and you can get it printed out. They can print it on, I've never done any of the cloths, but you can print it on um, shower curtains and mm -hmm. uh, drapes. And so there's a lot of that that you can do. Also, what you mentioned about putting in your own graphics, uh, a fun resource to know about is the Smithsonian. They put so much stuff. They did a big push, I think, like maybe five years ago online. So all of their stuff, you know, there's a copyright thing. If sure. it's over a certain amount of time, then right, it's right. free. It's free, yeah. And so copyright free. there is tons of stuff on that website that, I mean, you can get some of the old pastoral paintings. Mm -hmm. You could turn that into wallpaper. Or some of, like, the so exciting prints, like, from um, the Japanese-Asian like style. Or yes, something. yep, all that stuff. <laughs> That's a you great can, thing to know about. Yeah, really it's kind is. of fun playing around. You can also look at bugs and all, oh, you know, yeah. all the other Scientific things that they drawings. offer. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, crickets. Fantastic. Crickets, but, <laughs> right? But you can also get these designed and, and produced specifically for the exact space you want. For the so exact that, space, So yeah. that the wallpaper comes and it's all lined up. The repeat is p mm -hmm. perfect for you, and you can just put it into the space that you've specified. It's really interesting. Because it used to be scary, like wallpaper, like wallpapering. It's not scary right? for the designer. It, they, they took the, <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's, okay. it's all because, a big step, right? Like right? putting but it up and getting know. it right. Like nothing you would want to deal with on your own. I always hire, I would never do that myself. Okay, um, that's but, not. But that's that me. Way. You know, there's, I know my mother, ex-mother-in-law, she always did her own wallpaper and she was pretty darn good at it. So it can be done. It's just not something I I think wallpaper hanging is like a specialty. It yeah. really is yeah. somebody, when you have somebody who really knows what they're doing it's really worth mm -hmm. it especially if you're with the grass cloth or something that's just yes. a really expensive and beautiful they thing they never measure up yeah so they because they, it's natural they don't have a repeat so you're always going to get that vertical yeah. wallpaper line right. i had to do horizontal vertical in my head because i always <laughs> mix this up but one thing that you were saying about using the imagery it can be really cool if you if you play around with the horizon line so i did one in the back of a, a bathroom and it wasn't it's a, a primary bathroom and it wasn't the largest bathroom but we did a freestanding tub and i did a black and white wallpaper behind it that had a road that went oh, off into the distance wow. with trees going down that road wow. so you can really play around I tried to do it tried to sell it to a client for a children's room where it was all felt like a foggy misty mm. wood but I, right. but like she felt Narnia. like that might be just too cold and I think she's right mm. um in that case but I think you the point being you can really play with the mm. the whole feel of the room and then one more thing about wallpaper is the other thing that everybody's doing now, which I was skeptical about, but I, I've heard good things about it, is the peel-on, the adjustable peel-on, peel-off. Because very frequently, if you're doing a child's room, you might want something for when they were little, but be able to graduate. Exactly. And so having being able to peel it off after four or five years, especially if you go super big and graphic, People tend to get more sick of those the sure. more they see them. They get yeah. sick of it quicker. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a reason not to do them. I'd just say, like, yeah, go all in and enjoy what you want to do. Right. But um, it's nice to have the option the of being able to peel stick. it off and, and put on. Also, the peel and stick is great for things like if you wanted to do risers in your house, mm -hmm. going up the stairs, or the back of um, a glass cabinet, or the back of a book, back of a bookcase. Nice. Um, so. 
Wonderful. You did a great you did a great piece a couple of years ago for us on sort of risers and about the mm. peel and stick and that was a really interesting yeah. thing. But yeah, Clever. well so wallpaper's hot. Now the other trends in cuz I want to keep keep you on color just for a second if sure. you don't mind is I know that Pantone comes out with like the color yeah. of the year and last year it was something that was kind of purpley if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was like a like dark. Like yeah. 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 But um, I just want to ask about plain whites, if that's okay. Sure. White's because tricky. I remember whites that were very warm were in for a really long time. And probably about maybe 10 years ago, it flipped or maybe more. I don't know. I'm not yeah. the expert. No, I think and you're right. And cool about ones yes. became like oysters, which I actually, I like that. But but I'm wondering if people are tapping out and or if people mix them. Like, what's going on with white? So it's hard to talk about whites without talking about some of the other neutral colors. And, and also that goes into, like, what exactly, how do you define a white? Sometimes you look at it and it really does feel like a color, but it's still kind of technically a white. But I think you're right in that... Um, Things used to be very warm, and if you think of, you know, kind of the bath, the bathrooms that looked like Italian Renaissance, mm. all that tumbled warm marble, that was about 10 or 15 years ago. And then there was the, the big shift over to the grays, mm-hmm. which we've all seen a ton of the grays and the um, other types of marble um, that are not warm like that. And now we're kind of in uh, shifting out of the grays, just trend-wise. Yeah. And I always say, it really, trends don't matter it, it's right. good to know about, but what you like is what you like. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want anyone to get too hung up on that. So now the colors have, I've been doing a lot more light neutral colors on the walls and also things like maybe picking like a, a dove white or something with a little tone and painting the whole wall, trim everything that kind of same color. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely... Hmm a very light, airy shift. That's kind of where I've been taking my clients with that. But as we get out of the grays, for a while it was just all gray, 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 gray. There's a lot, um, you were mentioning Pantone, but all the paint companies come out with their colors of the year. You can follow whoever you want to follow on that stuff. But um, it's so, the grays are starting to move out. Some of those warm tones are coming in, but it's just like fashion where you know, the maxi skirt comes back in, but in a different way. So you really can't (laughs) use that one that you might have in your closet. It's the same with the warm tones. They're coming back in, but kind of in a different way. But we're also seeing that kind of combination with um, jewel tones. So Mm. boldness is back in. And I'll do that for really having a lot of fun with tile now, the big (gasps) wallpapers. So it's a little bit of like calm, 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 and then pop is kind of more the rhythm of the households I've been doing. And then sometimes they just went all calm and that's a really kind of the tone on tone with those neutrals on top of neutrals. That can be like a wonderful feeling for a primary bathroom or um, any number of rooms, but. That's cool. (laughs) It's warm. Wow. (laughs) I love it. It's neutral. One One tip is with all these colors, you know, like how do you pick them? I think you go after some kind of curation. So if, say, you're interested in Benjamin Moore colors, there's 1,100, right? There's a million of them. <laughs> yes. Um, just whites. Yes. <laughs> and that's just the white category. So, I mean, you can go into the paint stores, and they will have brochures of color combinations. Like, And that's not to say, oh, go with just that combination. I've never seen them done so well that I want to do that. But it is a start. You might see a white that you like. Or you can see, if you Google online, it'll be a certain designer will say, here's my 20 favorite colors. Or 
anyway, there are some brands of paint that are coming out that um, are available online, and they have a very not uh, not a million colors at all. They have like sixty. Yeah, it's very curated. Right. Mm-hmm. I haven't worked with that paint. Of, I can't remember their name, but I haven't worked with the paint, so I don't know if what the quality of the paint right. is, but I know it's a high-end product, so it, oh. it might work just fine. But it's kind of interesting that, that they have eked out a market about the curation of color. Like right. Farrell like, Farrow and Ball. Ball yeah. or Curator, which is like, the yeah. Irish sort of version of Farrow and Ball now, which my guy at like Waters and Brown mm. handed me the brochure, and I was like, oh, Oh, right. Yeah, like, exactly. Like when you first open the Pharaoh and Ball, they're just so heavenly. I guess because they have, they're more like pigment rich, but they're yes. just also excellent colors. Yeah. yeah. The naming, the naming that they, they are just legendary. It's mm. almost like nail lacquer, the way they name it. Right. Yeah. right. 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 Anyway. I always think of the person. Naughty black. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you wonder how they Down do spout. those? I always yeah, exactly. Wonder, how do they do this? Is it like a coffee table talk? Is I think like, this and the, I think the they're OPI nail involved. polish person. <laughs> yeah. so like, they do you just have a whiteboard by the bathroom and people exactly. just jot right. down their ideas? Like, how do you know? Like, that would be a great question. That's actually a good segue for mushrooms. I'm oh, just kidding. Well, I was looking at how beautiful and like white they are in these gorgeous mm. images from. Oh, Gary I'm Go, talking about doing... like I'm making a joke. Like oh. maybe they'll take psilocybin and decide. Oh, let's oh. Uh, let's go into our name coloring this oh. uh, session. <laughs> God, we I have monthly meetings. Not one person got it. <laughs> well, we're all looking. Well, at a I looked. Of I was mushroom. like, well, come on, we've got mushrooms on the table, but not those kinds of mushrooms. All right, for anybody like listening, it's we because could. we're actually looking at the newspaper. And we're looking at the Mushroom of the Week column by Gary Gilbert, which also ran this week. So, right, like, which is which is wonderful because we have um, mushrooms in wintertime. Who would have yeah. guessed? It turns out we can... I, yes. Does this mean we want to segue into a different topic? We just segued into a different topic. All right, well, listen. <laughs> Jen, you're welcome, you're welcome to join us for our exactly. mushroom so Jen, walk. Thank you for talking design with sure. us. Sure. This was really interesting. And I hope... I, I You know what's funny is I feel like we got into a couple of broad topics mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. And I feel like there were like maybe six more things I wanted to ask you about, which oh, we're I'm not sorry, gonna I do. Like, oh, no, no. I latch on and no, no, no I think it was really, really fantastic. So hopefully about. we'll do this again and yeah. like talk talk design we, again. Mm, that'd be fun. This is really fantastic. Really good. And before we let you go, can I can I ask, do we have any idea of what you might have brewing for your next cricket article? Or are we not there I yet? Don't. Oh, well, I'm going to have to just wait. I, okay. I really, I always, when I write them, I just kind of take a look at what's been going on in my personal life. Probably if you read the articles, you can tell. Yeah. I'll, yeah. You know, Which I love. When I went to Pittsburgh and, you know, I, um, so I just, I, I just, I'll just have to see. It's very eclectic, your writing, in terms of topics, but I will say you've now been writing for us for maybe two years now. Mm-hmm. You started during COVID, and the right, the quality, I so people really enjoy reading your oh writing. Oh, my gosh. And it's you. not because it's about design, per se. It's because the voice in your writing is just really comes through. You so are an nice. excellent writer. That's so nice. Yes. I, don't, I couldn't I agree more. I, it's I, the I, truth. So well, I would, I would encourage anybody to do a search for At Home Now. And then the other thing is I'll just personally tell you before we like segue off to another topic, which I would hope that you can join sure. us for us mm-hmm. to hang around. But it, my favorite, um, if anybody's looking at Jen Cole's articles, is uh, Brutalist Architecture. <gasps> yes. That was such yes. a great... Was- 
for you? Was that your and 50th? really that interesting? Was, yeah, like that, yeah. Because Boston, of course, oh. has been living with brutalist architecture right? because government center, government yeah. center, center government is center. a very famous um, yeah. kind of example of brutalist architecture, yes. which everybody hated. They tried to warm it up. They tried to do this, yeah. and now. It's been rediscovered. It's being rediscovered well, as something that people love. When I grew up, brutalist architecture was like, ugh. Mm. It was like an Eastern Bloc country, which I don't know if, by the way, I'm supposed to use those words probably now. Not. I, probably not. <laughs> well, Sorry. Whoops. We'll but it was like sort of the old kind of gray and dark and cold oh, yes. and big. And it is those things. But, but it's now a snapshot people, in time. That's what absolutely. I, think. I think. Well, it's back. Have you seen this movie Tar that just came out? Yes. Where, okay, the, it was set in Berlin. Berlin. And it, the brutalist, like, they're... they're unbelievably delicious and gorgeous flat is concrete, mm-hmm. very sort of brutalist. Mm. The buildings, the, the, the aesthetic, and it's fantastic. It's as well current. as her, her, the art, the apartment that she has that she never her, gives up, her other, which place, is yeah. also, yes. even though it's older and more kind of antique and has more of a patina, it still has that same kind yeah. of quality to it, mm-hmm. kind of cold and permanent and, but beautiful. Yes. Very and modern, strict, modern, gorgeous. Anyway, yeah. So, cool. well, we okay. can't wait. We're very lucky to have you. <laughs> and oh, thank so you much. for coming and spending time. Yeah, so, so Jen is going to stay while we just talk quickly about other things in the papers. So right. Thank well, you. feel free to weigh in if you want, but don't if you don't if you don't if you're not feeling the vibe, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Well, we can jump right in with mushrooms, and then we'll yes. then we'll work our way to town business. Since, we have to know. have Gary Gilbert in. He's we also do. another columnist who we writes do. Mushroom of the Week, which is one of our most popular columns. Yes. This week, Delightful. you edited this piece this week. I did. Piece? The Joy of Winter Mushrooms. Mm. Thank God they don't just all go away. It turns out there are still some out there for us to find. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Gary, for our stir fries and our, our savory dishes, Gary gave us a few tips on what we might find. Always making sure that we know that you should always go with a professional sort of mushroom hunter and be sure you know the lookalikes. But yeah, he gave us some wonderful, wonderful tips riding on the heels of something we haven't really talked about, which was <laughs> his amazing piece on mushroom cocktails, oh which Erica and I did a lot of research. We, <laughs> <laughs> we did the photo shoot ourselves. <laughs> We insisted. All right. Now, Jen, I'll tell you this because I don't know if you read this piece. It was, um, he, he takes porcini mushrooms mm-hmm. that are dried and mm-hmm. that he dries himself. Mm-hmm. And then he infuses vodka with them over a three-week period of time. And they turn sort of this kind of beautiful amber color. Oh, it's heaven. So did the you, vodka. you taste test it? Oh, yeah. Well, yes. yeah. It was oh, unbelievable. Savory experience. Right? A sa- savory experience. It, we had martinis. It, we yeah, had martinis, martinis. And I am or not a martini Marys, drinker. Right? Oh, my gosh. But, Bloody Marys would be good. But they were, they were heaven. There was this hmm. earthiness uh-huh. to them that I, I, I can't say I've actually had this flavor before. It wasn't overtly mushroomy. And were they porcinis or were they morels? I think they were porcinis. Right? I think they were porcinis, okay, porcinis. Yeah. The appetizer was morels. Which was oh, a whole other thing. Because oh, so Gary, by the way, in case you didn't know, can cook like yeah. nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. But they were, they were, they were soft and round, these these martinis, like lush and velvety and earthy. Mm. They weren't physically soft and round, but they were No, but that's how it felt in your mouth. <laughs> but they were they were really smooth and delicious. That was after my third. We had, <laughs> oh, you did not have. No, I'm joking. Of Maybe course not. No, I am. I am not a big drinker. I had. You I could not have, have three, and I, I know you. Believe me. Exactly. You 
had three, you'd be comatose. <laughs> That's exactly right. They were heaven. I'd be carrying so. you out over my so, right, shoulder exactly. if that was possible. <laughs> you had no idea. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so that was another wonderful contribution sort of for how to how to continue to enjoy mushrooms in wintertime. And it was garnished with just a little Gary bit of Gilbert. lemon, although mm. we also had olives as well. Oh, the and olives. And they were both really good, and yeah. it was delicious, and it was just a lovely thing to do. It never ceases to amaze me how many people enjoy this column literally and this Jen this is true we were laughing when we named this column oh yeah mushroom of the week like Like, (laughs) who needs a weekly column on mushrooms like okay yeah and guess what it turned out to be one of our best read columns people love it and it's interesting to me how much mushrooms mushroom foraging mycology captures the imagination of people, even if they will never forage for mushrooms themselves, they mm. really enjoy reading about it. They love reading about the species. They love learning about it. It's very kind of, I don't know what it is that captures their imagination, but they love it. Yeah, and we do too. So we're so lucky to have Gary. So don't miss this week's piece on mushrooms in winter. Yeah, that was a really good piece. And you did a great job editing it okay. too, because it's really <laughs> a joy to read. It was a full page. So yeah. It's beautiful. With and gorgeous the, images. And the imagery is really always. beautiful. Yeah. That, I mean, yes. Yeah, so. yeah. What is it? The velvet <gasps> Uh, mushrooms which one was the velvet velvet oh, uh the velvet something foot they yeah velvet foot i think it was names. i think mm-hmm. it was the velvet foot it is the velvet foot yeah or oysters flamulina velutubis oh. la, la, la. please brick caps <laughs> not exciting yeah right <laughs> oh and then unfortunately the amber jelly fungus but still oh. <laughs> i'm not gonna make any jokes so we'll stick with the velvet foot for the now velvet foot anyway. i can't wait till we can go out with him again in the spring yeah, yeah. and look for mushrooms well, it's going to come sooner rather than later. So thank yeah. God for that. Yes. All right. All right. So Erica, do you want to bring us up to speed on any special town business going on? Anything particularly exciting? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's interesting how we're just at this period of time with both towns where there's just a lot of stuff happening. There it really is. And, I, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that the um, state is making things happen. Mm. Um, you know, And we've talked a lot about that. But I will say just briefly, um, in the last week, the big thing that's happening is really in the LCD, the Limited Commercial District in Manchester. On the front page of this week's article, we uh, paper, we have two, we have a big article on Black Earth Compost, uh, which is moving from one end of the Limited Commercial District to the other. And that's going to be a considerable, I, th- I don't think people understand how considerable of an operation that's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a $1.5 million facility. They're moving to upper from Upper School Street to Upper Pine Street. It's going to take about a year and a half to happen. However, Andrew Brousseau, uh, one of the partners of Black Earth Compost, which was essentially incubated as a company here in Manchester. They they right. started off as like with one truck and one person. And, yeah. and exactly. Yeah. And now they're going to be in their new facility 40 tons of food waste they're going to process per week. Mm. Wow. Think about that. Yes, 40 tons. I thought it was going to be 18 because that was in their application for the CONCOM because they're actually, it's in the transfer station. The former transfer station is right. all going to be now this. They took it over January 1, and they've started doing all the construction now. The, um, they've been blasting. They've been doing all the site work, um, the site prep, which is blasting, and then they've been um, cutting down a bunch of trees to sort of set up the, the site to create there. But it's going to be state-of-the-art. It's going to have all this odor control. and It's going to be very, very impressive. And Black Earth now... You just said, Jen, one wheelbarrow, yeah. which is essentially what it was. Yeah. They now, um, because Charlie Baker, 
several years ago, I want to say five years ago, mandated that restaurants all compost now. Right. Um, guess what? Fantastic. We're all going to be mandated before too long Absolutely. to compost. Yeah. It's not happening now, no, uh, but I no can see a future. Yeah. And guess what? When that future happens, when residences all have to, and municipalities have to compost because of the environment, we're going to be sitting pretty because we've got this facility here. Mm-hmm. And they service now up to Salisbury, down to Rhode Island, out to Framingham. Well, Think about that. Them. I mean, it's it is huge. huge. And it's now three guys. And this is, Andrew is from Manchester. He's a former Eagle Scout. No way. Great guy. And his partners, I believe, his two partners are from Gloucester. So this is all local. Nice. I think it's been really interesting to watch that happen. Now, yeah. Andrew is saying that by this fall, people will be probably be putting their, um, their leaves there, oh, dropping wow. their leaves off there. Great. Although it'll That's take right. probably another year for them to actually move the entire operation okay. over. But that's okay. pretty much, it's going to start happening. And by the way, just a quick plug, as a benefit, Manchester residents for essentially incubating this, mm-hmm. we have discounted curbside pickup, um, which we get, which is great. Yes. And then also we can pick up compost anytime we want. And oh. if you went to like Wolf Hill or, or Corliss, yeah. yes. they, really nice they sell yes. black earth compost there yeah. by the bag and it's pretty expensive. So it totally. In Essex, we used to have to buy it because we were, now I'm in Manchester and it's free. It's, you're absolutely right. It's so, yeah, it's kind of nice. huge savings. All right. So that's LCD number one. Nice. LCD number two um, has to do with cell signaling, mm. which is the biotech company that is actually purchased last year, 50 acres on this, which is the site of the Manchester. Athletic Club, and everything behind it, they're going to be building um, if approved, which it looks like they're gonna. But they're starting the process now. I went on a site visit with the Concom because there's wetlands there. The actual Sawmill Brook actually goes under 128 on that property. Oh, a lot of people don't know that, but yeah, that's exactly that. what it is. Anyway, so we went on that site visit. It was really interesting with the consultant that is doing all the wetlands delineation for cell signaling. Okay. And uh, uh, it's a young woman who's a scientist, very, very sharp. And you can sort of see it starting to happen. That's the other end of the LCD. So that's nice. probably going to play out over the next year. They're going to go before the planning board in February sometime. That's what they're hoping, if they can get on the agenda. They're not going to be showing any designs. It's very preliminary. Designs will come later this year, but it's happening. And when it happens, that's going to be... If it happens, if they, you know, build this campus, it's going to be a game changer, not for Manchester, for the region. It right. will be a game changer for the region economically. I mean, it really will be. Um, well, a nice tax base for Manchester as well. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, they're saying that it could be as much as, like, I mean, I hate to say this out loud because it's, like, we don't know yet, but if it happens, because I keep on saying, if, you know how the people, like, <laughs> when they say, allegedly, allegedly, yeah, allegedly. Right, right, right. <laughs> We will allegedly it's have like a tax the same. If it happens, job. if it happens, <laughs> so if it happens, they're saying well, some of the estimates is between two and three million dollars a year mm. to the tax base of Manchester, oh, right. which is a godsend. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Was that a good update? That was a great update. So positive. <laughs> so super well. well. I mean, it's not positive. It's just positive or negative. It's just what's happening. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yes, it's interesting. Right? It's not warm or cool. It's neutral. <laughs> back to Bringing color. it back to Jen. <laughs> I love it. See, I, I love did that. it. A warm neutral. <laughs> All right. All righty. Okay. Guess well, that was a nice this week. That was a good week. Delightful. And Jen, thank you for coming and spending thank your time you with us this morning. Me. It was we loved wonderful. Having you. Come anytime. All right. All right. Bye, Chris. Bye, Erica. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidecar. To hear more Cape Ann stories like these, subscribe to the Sidecar podcast from thecricket.com on your favorite podcasting platform.